Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad he's alive? Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. We're glad you're here. We're starting a new series called Our Living Hope. How many of you know Jesus Christ is our living hope? Well, what a celebration we've had. Thank you for uh, being a part of that. Uh, The youth have a gift for you as you leave today. And uh, we're glad you're here. How many know God's on the move? And he's doing something special. James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Verses 3 through 8 says that the testing of our faith produces patience. And if you need wisdom, ask God. Don't doubt or be double-minded. Verses 12 through 15, we have to endure temptation. If we give in to temptation, it's a sin. And when we endure the trials, the test of our lives, if our life is in Jesus Christ, then we'll receive a crown of life. And the Lord has promised this to everyone who loves him. And if you love him today, you're promised a crown of life. And that's what we want, right? Years ago, when our boys were little, Matt's over here to my left today, and he was small, and Aaron's three years older than him, so they were both very small. And one day we were getting in the car, and Matt said, Dad, your car's a mess. But this is what he and Aaron didn't realize. They're the ones who made it a mess. There were hats and ball gloves and wrappers and particles of food everywhere. Can I hear an amen to that? Our world's a mess. But God didn't make the mess. We made the mess. If you've been keeping up with current events, you can see that in our world we have a war in Ukraine and uh, we, we have a problem there. We have a Supreme Court uh, nomination for the justice from the Harvard Law School, very educated, who could not give an answer to the question, what is a woman? So before we blame God for all of this mess, uh, God did not invade Ukraine, it was Vladimir Putin. Uh, God did not create COVID-19. Most likely it came from a lab in China. These are my opinions, so uh, just amen my opinions and placate me through the sermon. God knows what a woman is. He created a woman and a man. But we live in an upside-down world. God did not create that. The, the, The world that God created was perfect. Created a perfect man, perfect woman, gave them choices, and those choices caused our world to go awry. We fell into sin. But what is on the horizon for us? Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8. This is a response to some questions that the disciples had, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows. And a better translation of that would be the beginning of uh, labor pains or pains of birth. 
Now, why would he say labor pains? Because there's a new world coming. There's a new heaven and earth coming. And he's going to usher that in, and he's going to bring that in. And how many of you know it's going to be better than the one we're living in today? Now, this is a pretty good one, but it's a fallen world, and it's a world that's full of problems. So Jesus is responding to the question, what is the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Uh, a few months ago, Brian Fisher's dad died in southwest Kansas. It's a long way up there, uh, right south of Dodge City. And so I got up early in the morning, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, headed out. It's about four, four and a half hour drive. And I don't know if you've ever driven through uh, northwest Oklahoma and southwest Kansas. It's a whole bunch of nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's, if you live there, it's something, but... Uh, I, I was driving through. When, when you get up northwest of Watonga, it gets worse. And there's, there's not many towns there. There's a lot of barns and cattle and places where people used to live. And I noticed something. The closer you get to a town, the more signs you see. And the bigger the town, the bigger the signs. But you can go a long way and you don't see anything. But when you get close to a town, you start seeing signs. Guess what? When we get closer to what's going to happen, we start seeing signs. And the closer we get, the bigger the signs. So that's what Jesus is saying. So today we're gathered here to look at what he is revealing to us. And as we look at these signs, then he will give us an indication of what's going to happen. How many of you know we don't, we don't know any dates? We don't know any days. We have signs. We have seasons but he's telling us in the world we live in, and we see this every day on the news, and I don't know about you, but when I watch the news, it's concerning to me. So let me tell you, the prophetic word of God is better than CNN. And better than Fox News. And better than your neighbor. God has a perfect prophetic, a perfect prophetic record. He has never missed it. Now, some so-called prophets have missed it, apostles have missed it, but God never misses. There's a flood coming, flood comes. There's going to be Egyptian bondage, that comes. There's going to be Babylonian bondage, there's going to be a release at a 70-year period, that comes. There's the virgin birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection, that happens just like God said. There's going to be, listen to me, the accompanying about of Jerusalem and the Romans are going to come and the temple's going to be destroyed and the city's going to fall came just as he said. Can I hear an amen? There's going to be the rebirth of Israel. A nation's going to come back after thousands of years that no nation's ever done. 1948, just as God said, he has 100% accuracy. And today, as we get closer to his return and the end of the age, we see the bigger and more frequent signs, and God will never miss it. And so here we are today, and we're going to look at this panoramic view of what we should be looking for. Five quick things this morning. What should I be looking for? Number one is deception. So the first thing he said is deception. Do you know we live in a very deceiving world today? Uh, let me just give you some headlines. The, the Russian dossier. Deception. Hunter Biden's laptop. Deception. Stop, Pastor. Okay, I will. But I'm just saying, it's all true. We live in an age of deception. 
This is an article, Why the News is Not the Truth, by Peter Vanderwick from Harvard Business Review. This is Harvard Business Review. This, this didn't come from a pulpit. This came from Harvard Business Review. Just checking you out here. The U.S. press, like the U.S. government, is a corrupt and troubled institution. Corrupt not so much in the sense that it accepts bribes, bribes but it is in a systematic sense. It fails to do what it claims to do, what it should do, and what society expects it to do. Journalists and politicians have become ensnared in a symbiotic web of lies that mislead the public. The news media and the government are entwined in a vicious circle of mutual manipulation, myth-making, and self-interest. There's going to be deception. And we live in that age of deception. And it's not one side or the other side. How many of you know it's both sides? I, I tell people it's like if you're on the Mason-Dixon line and you put on the blue top and gray bottoms, you get shot from both sides. Because we live in a time of deception. And Jesus, he said, it's going to be a time of deception. Number two, wars and rumors of wars. We see that on the news every day, don't we? There are several wars and conflicts going on. Uh, you know, yeah, Ukraine, it's going on. But let me just give you a, a few others. This is from the International Crisis Group. Ukraine, Ethiopia, Afghanistan, Yemen, Myanmar, Haiti, Iran, Syria, the Palestinians, Islamic factions throughout uh, Africa, there's so, some of the most violent people, uh, torturing people, burning down churches and houses, and, and trying to eliminate entire tribes. So we, we know that that is there uh, right now on the horizon and in the future. Big signs, right? Here's the third one, pestilence. Now, in the last two and a half years, we know a little bit about that in America and around the world. We've had 400 and 76 million COVID cases. We're closing in on almost 7 million COVID deaths worldwide. So we know a little bit about this one. But I went back to look and do some research in the last year. Everybody say year. So we're talking about March of last year to March of this year. The World Health Organization has issued warnings around the world in one year for the MERS, MERS virus, polio, Ebola, influenza, uh, influenza A, monkeypox, I don't even know what that is, meningitis, yellow fever, the Zika virus, the Marburg virus, cholera, hepatitis E, measles, and the Lassia fever. Now, these are all things some of them I've never heard of, but what they're saying is different parts of the world, China, Africa, Europe, uh, Russia, these outbreaks have gone through thousands of people. Thousands of people have died. This is just in 12 months. But the main thing is, you know, the headline is COVID, and we, we see that over and over and over again. Uh, Rick Bright, chief executive of P uh, Pandemic Prevention Institute of the Rockefeller Foundation, said, We know there are pathogens worse than SARS, COVID, that are emerging and re-emerging and waiting for their moment to take off at any time. So we know this is on the horizon. Number four is famines. United Nations World uh, Food Program states that 41 million people are facing hunger today. President Biden, in a speech recently, said, prepare for food shortages. How many of you saw that on the news? He stood up in front of the world and said, prepare for food shortages. So I'm not trying to uh, make you afraid, but I'm going to tell you today where your living hope is. And it's not in what you think the rest of the world thinks it is. And I love my family, I love my grandkids, and I look at the future, and I'm going to face it with faith, and I'm going to go with confidence, and I'm going to do what God's going to have me to do, and I want you to live your tomorrow, and your next day, and your month, and your next year with great faith and resolve, and keep moving and keep going. However, 
Your living hope is Jesus. It's not the government. It's not a handout. It's going to be Jesus. And as we look through these things, you think, well, goodness gracious, these are some horrific things. And really it's true because Jesus is saying, here's the signs. Here's number five, earthquakes. I didn't know this, and I got educated the last couple of days. 2020, there were 13,572 earthquakes. 2021, we had 16,849 earthquakes, almost 3,000 more than last year. Three of those quakes were over 8.0, largest number in the last 10 years, largest not only number, but uh, largest earthquakes. 2021 was the highest recorded number of quakes in the past 10 years, so we know that that's a sign, right? He, he said, okay, here's five of the signs. There's more, but here's five. So question, what's next? I mean, what do we face next? What are we looking for next? So let's take a panoramic view this morning of what we're going to look for next. So here's number one, the rapture. How many of you know the rapture is going to happen? As sure as I'm standing here, there's going to be a rapture. And if you hadn't heard this term, let me just give you a little indication of what the rapture is. There's going to be believers that are going to be raptured along with those who have already died in Christ. It's very evident in the Bible. It's spoken to more than once. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. But do not uh, be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the class to meet the Lord in the air. This year, the beginning of this year, we have done one to three funerals every week. One to three every week. But here's the good news. All those who died in Christ, we're going to see them again. And listen, that's shouting stuff, right? As much as we miss them, as much as our heart is broken, as we grieve, we're going to meet all those who died in Christ, we're going to meet them again. So this is what he said. Those who died in Christ are going to rise first, and we who are alive and remain, if we are alive when the rapture happens, we're going to meet Jesus and them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so we're going to gather with them, and we're going to be with them, and this is the good news. They die. To be absent from the body means to what? Be present with the Lord, and there's going to be reuniting of that soul and that spirit back to that body that's going to be glorified. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I show you or tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's the sign in the nursery. We'll not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So he uses this word changed twice. So in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than you can blink your eye, if you're alive, when Christ comes, your body's going to be changed. The older I get, the better that sounds. Are you like me when you get up in the morning? Sometimes it takes you a little while to get going. Y'all are so holy. 
Sometimes it just takes me a little while to, to, to get going. I mean, I, I just have to, you know, kind of get jump started. And I hear people say, well, yeah, I've got this condition, and, and I've got arthritis, and I've got this, and I've got that. How many of you are going to be glad when that's all gone? And you're going to have a body that is glorified, and you're going to be in a glorified body for the rest of eternity. But those who have died, they're going to rise first. We're going to meet them in the air with Jesus, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So we're going to meet him where? In the clouds. We're going to be changed. Dead believers raised, and we're going to be raised with them alive in the air. And there's going to be that momentary blink of an eye changed, and you're going to have a new body. Hallelujah. Thank God. Oh, that sounds so good right now, right? Well, what happens when we go be with the Lord? Well, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. The bride of Christ is going to meet, and we're going to sit down with Jesus. We're going to worship around the throne. Every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, what's going to happen? We're going to gather together with Jesus. We're going to be with him. You say, well, how long? Well, listen, number one, in heaven there's no time, but there's still time on the earth. So we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to see the judgment seat of Christ, so don't get nervous. Uh, you, you say, well, I, I mean, if I go in the rapture, I'm going to go through the judgment? Listen, if you go in the rapture, you're saved. Okay, think about this. This is not hard. If you go in the rapture, you're saved. But you'll be rewarded according to your works. How many of you know we're laying up treasure in heaven right now? So we're going to lay up treasure. There's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so we're going to be gathered together there. But time on earth keeps going on. So what happens here when we're gone? There's going to be something we call the great tribulation. It's going to be seven years long. We don't have to wonder that. We know that. It's divided into two parts, the first three and a half years, second three and a half years. So there's this great tribulation. It's going to be seven years of God's wrath poured out on the earth. Now, I'm a guy who believes in a pre-tribulation rapture. And the reason I believe that is because Paul said we were not appointed to wrath. However, the church has always gone through tribulation, and the church is going through tribulation right now. It may not be happening in Duncan, Comanche, Marlowe, but let me tell you, around the world, there are people being killed, persecuted, right now for the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you live in Iran, Iraq, China, Russia, if you live in different parts of the world, Africa, we have believers today that are dying for their faith. Is that tribulation? I guess so. If you live in Ukraine, is that some tribulation? Absolutely. Is it the great tribulation? No, because this is a product of man. But there will come a time on this sin-sick world, God is going to pour out his wrath on the world he created that is corrupted by sin. We call it the great tribulation. Now, when that happens, what's going to happen, Pastor? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. There's going to be natural disasters. There's going to be destruction of the seas and the ocean, uh, water, lakes, rivers, there's going to be pollution, cosmic disturbances affecting the sun, the moon, and the stars. See, I personally believe that we're going to have an asteroid strike on the earth. I'd rather not be here when that happens. Can I hear an amen? And you say, well, where do you get this stuff? Well, read your Bible. So I have, you know, my opinion, but there are some things that are just absolutely defined in the Word of God. There's going to be increased demonic activity on this world. I would rather not be here. I would rather you not be here. 
Let me tell you something very quickly. Young people, listen to me. You're, you're writing and, and looking at each other, but get this down. When I was your age, I was in college, and I went out one night and came home, had a dream, and in the dream, I believe Jesus Christ came, and I saw him in the clouds. People were lifting the earth, and I didn't go. I was a junior in college. When I woke up, I had the sickest, sickest, soul-sickest feeling I ever had in my life. And this is what I thought. He came, and I missed him. I'm out here goofing off, living worldly sin, and the rapture happened, and I was left behind. Let me tell you how serious that is. You're going to go through hell on earth before you go to hell in the lake of fire. Is this direct enough? You're going to go through hell on earth before you go through hell in the lake of fire. Your living hope is Jesus Christ. It's not what the world can give you. It's Jesus Christ. And at that moment, when I was so sick, in my heart and my soul, I thought, i got to get my life together. The next day, guess what I did? Went right back out and doing the same old thing I did before. Isn't that human nature? That's just human nature. But aren't you glad that God gives you grace? Didn't we hear about that last week? The grace of God is, is, is here today. You know where we live today? We live in the age of grace. We live in the church age, the time of the Gentiles. The doors open wide. Whosoever will, let him come. I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, there I am, Jesus said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How many of you know Emmanuel, God with us, has walked this sod, and he's here to save us and redeem us and to love us. But yet there's going to be that seven-year period that's going to be, if you will, hell on earth. And we don't really want to be here when that happens. There's someone who's going to rise from the masses. And the Bible calls him the beast, the man of sin, the antichrist, son of perdition. What does that mean? It means that Satan embodies a person who's going to be a world leader. You cannot buy or sell because of him, because he controls the entire economy. Let me tell you, we are rushing today to a world wide economy and currency. You see that today in our world. He controls it. He claims to be a deity, a God. People will worship him. You say, Pastor, what in the world would people be doing worshiping a guy on the earth? Well, because he has great power, demonic, satanic power. And he's going to do miracles. The Bible says he's going to call fire down from heaven. He's going to do miracles, and he's going to deceive the nations, and they're going to wonder after him, and they're going to serve him. And How many of you have ever heard this term in the last two or three months? Reset. Has anyone heard that term? We're fixing to have a great reset. What does that mean? The world is not going to be the same as before. There's going to be a great reset. We, I think it's already happening right now. I think you, if you just watch the world situation, I think you see it already right now. There's going to be a great reset. And this one called the beast, the Antichrist, is going to control. People are going to worship him, and he is going to do miracles. But that seven-year tribulation is going to end because Jesus is going to return to the earth. 
And Revelation chapter 19 describes his return. He's going to put his vesture on that's dipped in blood, crowns on his head, the word in his mouth. He's going to mount a white charger, and the armies of heaven are going to follow him back to the earth. And with a rod of iron, he's going to defeat the nations with the sword of his word coming out of his mouth. He's going to defeat them. They're going to gather up to defeat him. But how many of you know they will never defeat him? Is this Armageddon? Sounds a lot like it, right? And when he comes with the saints and the angels, he defeats the nations. And the beast and the false prophet are thrown in the lake of fire alive. And then he sets up his millennial kingdom. Christ will set up his millennial kingdom. What does that mean? He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. You know, there's some more prophecy to be fulfilled that the seed of David will sit on the throne to reign forever. Who's the seed of David in that, that prophetic word? It is Jesus Christ. It's not Solomon. It's not David. It's Jesus. The seed of David is going to take the throne. He's going to reign for a thousand years. Now, how can he do that? And have peace for a thousand years because Satan's going to be bound. Jesus is going to be ruling the earth. After the thousand years, Satan is loose. Gog and Magog with the nations that Satan deceives comes against Jerusalem and Christ and the saints. And the Lord consumes them with fire. And Satan now is cast into the lake of fire. And then the great white throne of judgment. He's going to gather everybody together. He's going to judge them. So let's take full circle. Here's a big 35,000 view, foot view of the panoramic uh, timetable here, but back to where we started. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above. My wife, when Carrie and I got married, was a good gift. She's beautiful, smart, intelligent, hard worker, a little naive because she married me. My sons are good gifts. They're smart, hard workers, married well, have beautiful children. My grandchildren are good gifts, close to perfect. <laughs> but they still poop in their britches. <laughs> when you feed them, there's stuff all over the floor. They're good gifts, but they're not perfect. But the Bible says we have good and perfect gifts. Let me tell you the perfect gift. The perfect gift is Jesus Christ. Perfect Savior. Perfect Redeemer. Perfect sacrifice on the cross for you and I because He is our living hope. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to face the future with faith. I'm going to go there with uh, endurance. I'm going to try to pass the test of uh, tribulation. I'm going to try to pass the test of trials and difficulties that we all have. I'm going to face that with faith. I'm going to live tomorrow in the light of how I live and who I believe in and the next month and the next year and the next year and maybe to a hundred years. I don't know. God did not give us a day or a time, but he gave us some signs. So I'm here to encourage you today to make Jesus Christ your living hope. If you think your money's going to save you, or your position's going to save you, or your retirement's going to save you, or your morality's going to save you, or your denomination's going to save you, or your pastor's going to save you, none of those things will save you. Jesus saves you. 
He alone is the Savior. There is none other. He alone is the Holy One who is righteous and is the Redeemer. So we come here today to say, okay, man, I watch the news. I see the war in Ukraine. I see Biden said we're going to have shortages. I I, I see we've gone through this COVID deal. What do I do? Trust in your living hope. Who is Jesus Christ the Savior? Amen? That's what we do. Perfect sacrifice, perfect Savior, perfect Redeemer. So there had to be perfect gifts And certainly they emanate from him. Let me read you a news article. This is September 29th, 2021. This is New York Post. I found this amusing. I think you will too. Behan Mutlu, 50 years old, lives in the northwestern Bursa province of Turkey. So he and his friends got drunk, wandered away from his friends, Mutlu did, and they couldn't find him. So Mutlu is lost. He's somewhere in the woods and the forest, and they're searching for him all night, can't find him. So when his friends couldn't find him, they gathered the authorities together. Our friend is lost. We don't know where he's at. We're afraid for him. So they begin to organize search parties, and they're looking for Mutlu. They're in Turkey. So Mutlu hears that they're searching for someone, and he joins the search party. (laughs) So they go all day searching for somebody who's lost, and the guy who's lost is in the search party. And finally they found out that the guy they're looking for is one of the searchers, and Mutlu didn't know who they were searching for. Isn't it weird somebody's lost, they didn't know they were lost? But yet someone was searching... And today, I think it's hard for me to realize someone could be lost and they don't know it because our conscience and our heart should be speaking to us and the Holy Spirit will try to convince us of our sin. But if you're here today and you're lost and you don't know it, here's the good news. Somebody is searching for you. And his name is Jesus. And he is the only Savior. You cannot be saved without him. And that's wonderful news. That's great news, and so whatever I face in the future, it's going to be okay because I'm with the one who is my living hope, and it's going to be okay, and it's going to be okay for you, but you have to be with the one who is your living hope. I want you to bow your head just for a moment. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.